the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And Joshua learned as a young man right there at that moment how a delivered people, how a people who've been rescued by the power of God can so quickly turn from God if they don't keep a relationship with God alive. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Today's message is entitled Strength and Honor, and we hope that you enjoy it. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. We would love for you to attend the worship service. I'll have details on that at the close of our broadcast today. But you can watch it live each and every week at 11 o'clock on Saturdays. It's at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's get underway with today's message, Strength and Honor. Here's our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko. Let's pray again. Father, as we begin the message today, we ask you to lead us in the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. We live in an age when strength and honor are rare commodities, hard to find in the church these days. We live in a time when courage is almost lost because fear has surrendered to comfort and security, and comfort and security, they have taken the place of courage. You know, what we need in our country, we need in our church, we need in our young people, a new generation that is a courageous generation. Am I right or wrong? Utterly right. We need a generation of courage. It has long been recognized that animals can comfort people when anxiety takes over. I've had times when I've been very anxious in life. You are probably in the same boat. My son is in the military. I have a nail-biter son. You know, whatever he does, it just makes me nervous. And he's joined the military. He's highly committed to it. For the next six years, I've been assigned as part of a military family, Smokey the Family Pet. I went to the funeral, and I explained that my son's dog, you know, he's in the service. Does this make the dog a service dog? They said maybe, so they let him stay in the hotel. There are some benefits to having a service relationship. So Smokey was in the hotel at the funeral that I went to last week. So I took my comfort animal with me. Uh, half husky, half something else, who knows. He rides in the back of my son's FJ Cruiser. While my son's in the military, he doesn't yet have a place to put his car. I drive his four-wheel drive. That's not my car. I can't afford that car. He has a nicer car than I do. So when I go on pastoral visits, my comfort dog goes in the back seat. Smokey's back there. And if he's upset, he'll kind of like growl a little bit or he'll make a noise and I'll pat him on the head. And I get comfort. I think I'm a comfort master. Because I think he needs comfort from me. It's a two-way street. At times, Smokey barks a lot. He woke me up this week all the time. In fact, many times during the night. Last night, three times before I got up to deliver this sermon. He has nightmares. I've seen Smokey right there. You know, we have like a love seat. And we put a blanket over it. And that's his special place he sits at in our living room. And, and he'll be sleeping. And he'll go into this traumatic, shaking feeling. And he needs a comfort master to come and pet him on the head. And so I'm the comfort master for my comfort dog. 
And when I try to comfort my dog, it doesn't always work, I've found. I call Smokey No Rim. That's a nickname for him. Why No Rim? Because I get no rapid eye movement sleep at night because he wakes me up to seek comfort from the master. When most people choose comfort animals, they pick a cat or a dog like Smokey to fill the bill. Uh, Joey Henney is 65. She made national news this week. She recently walked into her assisted living community center in New York with her comfort animal on a leash. It was not a cat. It was not a dog. It was not a, a hamster or a rabbit. She walked into the community center with her pet alligator on the leash. You're looking at a picture of it. She chose an alligator, of all things, for a comfort animal. An alligator can literally take your arm off. It can chop your hand off. I mean, the compression power of an alligator is huge. Her friends wisely kept their distance from her comfort animal. He's a kind animal, she said. She was trying to convince everyone there at the community center. And she finds comfort because Wally is a strong, powerful animal. And he's my friend. He's a nice alligator. I think if I had a pet alligator that I really trusted like Wally, I might be a little more fearless too. Now, one of Joey's friends who had her picture taken with Wally commented that she's not afraid of snakes, but she's afraid of Wally because his teeth are huge. She just can't get over this idea that that animal should be a comfort animal. What do you think? Think an alligator make a good comfort animal? Well, you know, it helps her to have courage. Who would mess with this woman with an alligator on a leash, right? Now, as you can see, People are doing a lot of strange things these days to have a little more comfort and courage in life, right? Nelson Mandela once shared his personal experience with fear and how he dealt with it as he was striving for freedom for for those that he knew and he loved in South Africa. And he said, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear, Joshua was a young man when he left Egypt for the promised land. He was taught by the Egyptians because he was born a slave, a Jewish slave. He was taught by the Egyptians to fear his taskmasters, to fear the Pharaoh, to have no autonomy on his own, to not believe in himself, but to do what he was told. He saw the mighty acts of God. He saw a God from the past, from the ancient memory of his ancestors, intervene in history, who stretched his mighty arm out against the mighty Egyptian empire with ten plagues, defeated the most powerful powerful nation on earth. Why? To fulfill his promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He saw that as a young person and his life was transformed by what he saw. And so the slave nation left Egypt 400 years to the day, the book of Exodus tells us. To the day of what? In the chronology from the weaning of Isaac. When Isaac was set free When Ishmael, the half-Egyptian son, was oppressing him at his his weaning, he was set free, he was weaned. God's people were weaned 400 years to the day. As Joshua left with them as a young man, he left Egypt following God in the pillar of fire and cloud. No nation had ever had a God who would lead them in that way. And he saw God in the pillar of fire and cloud. He loved Moses like a father. He looked up to this great white-haired champion that God had used to rescue his people. He trusted Moses as an older and wiser friend. If a man could be a God, perhaps Moses would have been a God. But no, Moses had taught him that no man is God, that we worship one God alone. And thus he learned the truth from a man of God. Joshua was first named Hosea. Hosea means salvation. 
But Moses didn't like that. Moses renamed him Joshua after they left Egypt. Joshua's name means Yahweh. The Lord is salvation. You see, it's not just salvation we need. We need the Lord who is our salvation. So he renamed Joshua. Moses wanted Joshua to never forget that men can't save themselves. Young boys and girls can't save themselves. And so Joshua came to understand that we must rely on God to be our Savior. Men overcome evil. Women overcome evil. Children, youth overcome evil today. Not because they are good. Not because we can marshal what it means to overcome. We can try hard enough. We overcome only because God is good. And God is our Savior. And thus he was named Joshua. Moses taught Joshua to trust in God when it looks like you're going to lose the battle. You know, it's one thing to trust in God when you feel like you're winning, right? But you don't feel like you're winning. When it looks like you're losing, when when you're losing ground, you're slipping young people. You know, what do you do? Well, Moses said, trust in God no matter what. And thus Joshua did. The first battle Joshua ever fought was fought right after they left Egypt, before they got to Mount Sinai. As they were en route to the mountain where the Ten Commandments would be given, he was free only a few days when he was called into service to fight for his country in the name of God. And he did so. The Amalekites attacked them right after Moses hit the rock and the water opened up. And so there was a life and death struggle for the water hole. And Moses sent Joshua to fight them in God's name and in God's power to defeat a seasoned army. They'd never fought a battle. When Moses prayed for the army, remember the story of what happened? His arms were high, what? They won. When his arms were lowered, they lost. So when the man of God was not neglecting prayer, what happened? The army won. And so the younger man who fought the battle was working with the older mentor who was praying for him. And together, the battle was won that day. Friend, you pray all the way to victory, Joshua learned. And you don't stop praying no matter what. You don't get this idea that you can just get comfortable in your life without prayer. He learned you pray to win battles. He won the battle against the Amalekites by the power of God because Moses prayed. When Moses went up the mountain to receive the law, Joshua followed him right up the mountain. Where Moses was with God, there Joshua was found following his mentor into the presence of God. Joshua was in the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights with Moses. We often talk about Moses being up there. Joshua was there. He personally saw the law of God that Moses brought down from the from the mountain. He saw the fingerprints of God on the blue sapphire tablets that came from the throne of God with the Ten Commandments. The eternal covenant put in human language placed on those blue sapphire stone tablets. Joshua was the one who told Moses that something was wrong in the camp. You know, he, he was listening. He was halfway between the top and the bottom and he heard the commotion. He thought it was war. He had an eye for war since he had to be engaged in one so soon after Egypt. And Moses said, no, it's not war. It's something else. It's a party going on. The people had rebelled against God while they were in the mountain. And Joshua learned as a young man right there at that moment how a delivered people, how a people who've been rescued by the power of God can so quickly turn from God if they don't keep a relationship with God alive. So Joshua came down the mountain with Moses and he saw God's people dancing around a golden calf and claiming that the calf was the God that led him out of Egypt. His heart was broken. And Moses' heart was broken. He took those sapphire tablets that came from the eternal throne of God and he threw them and shattered them on the ground. Joshua learned from Moses that obedience matters and courage is more important 
than looking good. It's more important than just an attitude. It's it's an action in life. He learned that courage is a God-given choice that gives a weak person a consistent life of obedience. That courage is obeying God. And he learned that you can't resist evil by just trying hard. A believer has to have a relationship with God to resist evil. And so the young man of courage became a mighty man of prayer. The greatest battles in life are fought in a prayer chamber. This Joshua learned. He learned to pray for 40 years before he conquered the promised land with his sword. Turn to Exodus 33 verse 11. This is an amazing verse here that shows us how Joshua gained courage in his life. It says, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. How many of you want to be a friend of God? Like Abraham. Moses was a friend of God. Abraham was a friend of God. And so Moses would talk to God. And we've been given the privilege of talking to God, knowing him in his word. We become friends of God. It said when Moses turned again into the camp, in other words, when he left that tent, after the golden calf, they stuck that tent outside because God would not be in the camp until the sanctuary and the sacrificial system was put in place after that sin of the golden calf. And so he would go out to that tent, the people would stand, the pillar of fire and cloud would come down at the door, and Joshua was inside the tent, Moses was inside the tent, and God was at the door, and Moses would talk, and Joshua saw it all. So look what the text says. When Moses turned again to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tent. He stayed there. Moses met God in the tent of meeting outside the camp. And Joshua went in to pray. But when it was over and Moses left, he just stayed in that tent because he wanted to continue being in the presence of God. When the time came to enter the promised land, God sent Joshua And Caleb and ten other spies to spy out the promised land. The ten spies came back with an evil report that was pessimistic and unbelieving. Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report of hope, optimism, courage, belief in the promises of God. And so two stood against the ten that day, and Joshua was one of the two. John Petit Sean once wrote that true courage is like a kite. A contrary wind raises it higher And so the ten spies turned on Joshua and Caleb as the mob threatened to stone them that day. Joshua and Caleb stood for God anyway. I don't know about you. I've been in times in my life where I've seen people that, you know, they kind of like, they they, they wet their thumb and they see where the winds are blowing, and that's where they'll stand. We call those politicians. Political leaders, political leaders can be in the church. They can be in, in, in the general culture. They can be in our family. We can be this. When we're concerned more about what people think than about what God wants. Now, that doesn't mean that we're called to be rude. We're called to be people of courage, but with the attributes of Christian kindness. Jesus was that kind of a person, a courageous person. And so Joshua and Caleb were two, and the other were ten. Most people, you know, we operate on democracies, don't we? So if ten are against the two, we usually go with the ten. But this day, it was important to go with the two, because the two were right, because they had faith, courage, and they were obedient to the Word of God. So the ten spies turned on Joshua and Caleb as the mob threatened to stone them. They began to do it, and Joshua and Caleb stood for God anyway. They were ready to die that day because they were men of courage. It's easy to stand for God when everybody else is with you, but it's hard to stand for God when you stand alone or with just one other person. Now, young people, you will come to a time in your life when peers, either at school or in the community, or friends that you have, 
will challenge you to disobey the Word of God. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. It may come because they want you to smoke a cigarette. Maybe they'll try to convince you that you need to do a little drinking here or there to be in a club. I had a brother that died from opioid addiction. Someone may introduce drugs to you. You know what? That is the moment when you must stand as a person of courage and say, I'm a Christian. It doesn't matter if you like me or not as a friend. I am going to be for Jesus, and I don't need you as my friend if it means giving up Jesus to be your friend. That's what it means to be a person of courage. So it's easy to stand for God when everybody else is with you, but it's hard to stand for God when you stand alone or with just one other person. Joshua's kite of courage rose high because the opposing winds lifted his height, his kite of courage. The winds that blew against him made him rise higher and higher as a man of God. And so God sent them all back into the wilderness because the nation was disobedient, unbelieving for 40 years, waiting for a new generation to arise that would follow Joshua and Caleb as older men to the promised land. They passed the test as a young person, but it was 40 years later before the fruit of that test was fully seen in their lives. And finally the time came, finally the time came for the people to enter the promised land for real. They could pinch themselves. We're going in. Moses had died on Mount Nebo. Moses had seen the land from afar with prophetic vision. He had seen the land from afar. And yet because he had sinned, because he embodied the sin of the people, the unbelief in the wilderness, in one mistake, God said, you can't go in. Some people say, well, why didn't he do that? Why why, Why didn't he let him go in? Because Moses reached out and struck the rock when God said, you shall not And that rock was not an ordinary stone. It was the rock that was in the middle of the pillar of fire and cloud. The blue sapphire stone throne of God had come down in the pillar of fire and cloud, the door of the tent of meeting, and in anger Moses reached in and struck it. And the river of life flowed out to give them water. And Moses didn't die, like Achan who touched the Ark of the Covenant, because it was an act of weakness. But God disciplined him and says, you will die You will not enter the promised land because you broke faith with me. So Moses went up the mountain to die alone on the mountain like someone else thousands of years later. Jesus would go up Mount Calvary in the darkness of the cross, would die alone for us. He would see the land from afar but be separated from it. On his last journey up the mountain, Moses went alone. God buried Moses somewhere and Joshua never learned the place of his tomb. And so Joshua rose up after the death of Moses to take the people across the Jordan without the help of his mentor and friend Moses. And just before Moses died, Moses passed the mantle, so to speak, to Joshua in the eyes of all the people. I mean, he didn't just let Joshua take over. He pulled Joshua before the people and he invested him with leadership. He, he, he dedicated him to the cause before him. Look at Deuteronomy 1, verse 37. Here we have an amazing interaction. Moses is speaking. He says, The Lord was angry with me also 
on your account and said, you shall not go in there. Verse 38, Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall enter the promised land. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. It's an amazing statement there. Moreover, your little ones, who you said would become a prey, and your children, who this day have no knowledge of God or evil, uh, no, have no knowledge of good or evil, shall go in there, and to them I will give it, and they shall possess it. And so Joshua led a generation of young people into the promised land without Moses. And this is the context for the introduction to the book of Joshua. Joshua 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land which I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. He doesn't say, I will give it to you. He says, I have already given it to you, as I promised to Moses. So here's the link. Moses is dead. God promised Moses. I have already given it to you because I promised Moses. Now act on that promise. Move forward. Now look at verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you, and I will not fail you or forsake you. And then verse 6, be strong, and what does the text say? And of good courage, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Be strong and of good courage. Notice that God does not say, I will cause this people to inherit the land. He doesn't say that there. He says, I will be with you and you will cause it to happen, Joshua. Because I'm with you, something's going to happen inside of you as a leader. You're going to find talents you never had before. Yeah, you're a young person, but you know what? I have grown you. You're going to do extraordinary things for God. I will make you do things that blow your mind, Joshua, because you believe in my word. I'm with you. You will do it. Mark Twain once said that courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not absence of fear. Joshua was afraid, but God gave Joshua courage to act in spite of his fear. Joshua 1.9, here it is. This is an amazing verse. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Amazing verse. Now I'm going to ask our young people to come forward right now. They have a song for you, and Katie would like to read this verse in a, in a more modern translation. But you come forward, and after that song, we'll continue the ser- sermon here. They have something to say in music to us. That helped the sermon a little bit. Thank you. <laughs> they were going to do that for uh, offertory, but when I came in last night and I saw these kids, you know, we had to have that song in the middle of the sermon. Thank you. Well done. So why was Joshua instructed to not be afraid? He was told that God is with him. When God is with us, there is no need to be afraid. Am I right? Young people, am I right? Yeah, that's right. God doesn't encourage us to have courage. Sometimes, well, he encourages. No, God does not encourage us to have courage. God commands us to have courage. See the difference? And God's presence is the guarantee that God's command is a capable command. I would rather have God at my side than be on the side of many a person try to use self-esteem or this kind of stuff to have courage. Why not have God's courage because of the command? I would rather have God's presence than the approval of men. 
Nothing of eternal consequence, friend, is certain unless God is with us. And if God is with us, we are commanded to have good courage. I mean, there is no option for an attitude of pessimism and depression as a Christian. That is why no man or woman is called to a tragic motif or a terrible tale as their testimony in the Christian walk. We have a glorious testimony because of the power of God in our life. And we should speak to the truth of who God is in Jesus. That is why no man or woman should ever be depressed ultimately. We can have periods and seasons where we can be down. We can have biological struggles. That's not what I'm talking about here. But I'm saying is in terms of attitude, the truth can overtake the facts of our life. We are blessed by God. We are not called to to bear a testimony of defeat. I'm not talking about perfection when I say that God calls us to obedience. Obedience is really a, a real expression of courage in our life. I'm talking about the obedience of faith. When we believe God's word, we act on that word, we have faith and courage because we obey the word. When we follow God because we believe in him, his presence and his strength comes into our lives. We abide in him and thus his power abides in us. I don't know about you guys, but you're missing something on Wednesday nights if you don't come out to our prayer meeting. I'm not doing the prayer meeting right now. So I'm going to tell you what's happening. We have a spiritual gifts emphasis from Dr. Schaefer. Dr. Schaefer taught ministers 20 years in India. And I'm sitting in that prayer meeting learning from a seasoned Adventist scholar, teacher, and speaker on spiritual gifts. And abiding in Christ was the lesson of prayer meeting this Wednesday. It was, it was wonderful. It's what I needed. I want to encourage you to come out to prayer meeting and not miss it. And I, I won't be doing it for a while. I'll be visiting here and listening and growing in our prayer meeting. So God said, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid or surprised because God is with you. Well, unfortunately, we need to leave it there for today's Reaching Your Heart. Please join us again next time we get together for the conclusion of the message entitled Strength and Honor. And thanks so much for listening today. We would really love for you to be a part of our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.